Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast. What is happening, everyone? My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Let me talk to you. Yeah, and boy, do we have a lot to talk to you about the world of sports because you have tuned in to the sports edition of the ODPH, and we definitely like to have those conversations keep rolling. So, Pad, where does everybody go after the show? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the website, sign up, interact on all the social media accounts. Everything's updated right there with links on the front page. We can't make it any easier to join in those conversations. Also, check out the T Public Store link. Sale this past weekend. Rumors of an, another one coming very, very Ooh. shortly. So, if you ever want to get some ODPH swag, that is the time to do it. We always encourage everybody buy it at sale time. That we, like I say, I can't stress that enough. I, there's no funny line with that. It's just buy it when it's on sale. That's yeah. what I encourage. Also, check out the, the Patreon link. Uh, one tier, two dollars a month, and shout out to all our amazing patrons. They have their own page on the, the website. That's how much we care about them. And we also give them bonus episodes every month. So. Hmm. You, if you're missing out, I mean, it's a small monetary donation to the brand to keep it rolling. We can't thank everybody enough for that. Also, we have the blogs where always reviews are dropping left and right. The classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative, and so many more. The directory. Pad, how many providers are we on this week? 625,087. Sounds about right to me. I don't question him. That is why he is the statistician to the stars. Also, check out the music section of the show too where you can hear all the great bands that donate their music to us to play here such as brian wolf and the howlers shout at the robots tom jolu second suitor floodlands the list goes on and on there's so many amazing bands that give us their music to play and we can't thank them enough so that's why we always encourage you to go to the music link go check them out go download their music support them when you catch them out live it's a win-win situation and for anything else well, it's simple. If it's anything and everything, this is the ODPH. You can find it at odphpodcast.com. If you're on social media and you're using hashtags, well, why not use the hashtag ODPHpod? Kicking off this edition of the show, we have to recap a wild weekend of WWE action Ooh. in Australia. Perth. Break it down for us, Pat. Yeah, so this event took place uh, Saturday night if you were over in Australia, but early Saturday morning for us here in the States. Uh, 5 a.m. Eastern was kickoff time. Uh, Pre-show started at, I believe it was 4 a.m. Not as rough if you were on the West Coast. I believe that was like 1 or 2 a.m., something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But with an attendance of 52,590, they all went in there and everyone tuned out for what I believe was the most watched uh, Elimination Chamber ever, according to WWE. I believe it. Uh, I would, too. But this took place. We're going to talk a little bit about the card that went down uh, on Saturday. Yes. Uh, so the first match that took place was on the pre-show, and this was a tag team match for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships, uh, where you had the Kabuki Warriors retain their title, uh, defeating Candice LeRae in Indy Hartwell via pinfall in 8 minutes and 55 seconds. Great moment to see Hartwell get to wrestle in front of her home country. Yeah. So super excited for that nice moment. Nice pop for her, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, her and LeRae are a great tag team. I yeah, wish they I, are. I wish I got more time on TV, but, I mean, obviously... The tag team division for the uh, women's side is really picking up some seams, so I'm hoping to see more of it. But and those belts are cursed AF. Yeah, that's the one thing, too. Whoa. So 
But it was great. It was a great moment to see, and I hope to see them run it back sometime yeah. very soon. Uh, next up was the first match on the actual main card, uh, and that was the women's elimination chamber match with a shot uh, at the women's world championship held by Rhea Ripley uh, for a match at WrestleMania 40 coming up here in uh, April. Uh, and the participants of this match were Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, Liv Morgan, Naomi. Raquel Rodriguez and Tiffany Stratton and emerging victorious in 32 minutes and 15 seconds, uh, pinning Bianca Belair at the end, your winner and taking on uh, Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania 40, Becky Lynch. No real surprise here. No. I mean, I would have to say going into this match, I think we all predicted between us and Rich from 3FN, Nick from Wrestling Night Live. We all said this is there's no way this is going to be upset. Yeah. And not be Becky because I've, ever since that promo they did in Vegas for WrestleMania. Oh yeah, this match has all been locked in. Yep. So I don't want to say this match was a formality, but it kind of was. Yeah, it kind of was. It was a good showing from the rest of the ladies on the card. You know, especially Raquel Rodriguez. I'm not going to get into that whole thing, but if you've seen her social media posts online, mm-hmm. kudos to her for for going through and making it through everything she's got going on. Absolutely. Behind the scenes. Holy sh. Nikes. No, it was great. It was great seeing her in this match. And yeah. then I think the one that had the breakout moment was Tiffany Stratton. Oh, my God. The video they posted on, I believe it was Monday. It wasn't Sunday, but it was the video from the camera pod of Tiffany just kind of standing there, bouncing, waiting for you know her time to come. And the crowd just starts chanting, we want Tiffy. Mm-hmm. We want, and you got to remember, like, yeah, she's over from NXT. And there's a little bit of uh bleed into the main roster crowd when it comes to NXT, but like the amount of chance you heard for Tiffany in her first pay-per-view match on the main roster, you know, not counting Royal Rumbles or whatever else, but like her first, you know, limited engagement, I guess you could say kudos to her. Oh, absolutely. No, I'd like I say this whole match really brought it. And like I say, even though it was a formality, it was still a great match to watch. And now, I mean, the the match that we've all been waiting for, Becky versus yeah. Rhea, is signed, sealed, and delivered for Mania. So that's a huge main event. Yeah. But we still have more matches to talk about. We do. Next up was the tag team match for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. And you have the Judgment Day in Finn Balor and Damian Priest retain their belts by defeating New Catch Republic. Uh, that is the team of Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate via pinfall in 17 minutes and 25 seconds. Solid match. Yeah, this is fine. I mean, I'm just happy Pete Dunne is back being Pete Dunne. You and me both. So to see him and Tyler Bate team up. And they did that little mini tournament to get here. I think that's a great idea for the yeah. tag team titles. Yeah, it, it works. Yeah, it worked because obviously Judgment Day is just buying time until they face Miz and R-Truth at yeah, Mania. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. I mean, neither tag team division on either show is deep enough that you can just like have somebody beat a bunch of people and emerge victorious to be like, oh, those are your new number one contenders. You almost have to set something up and do and do a tournament or have them go through a gauntlet match of some sort. You know, and and it works, and I think, and I gotta admit, I didn't consider the Miz and R Truth thing until somebody posted about it online, and I'm like, oh, you know what? That'd be a great moment for the both of them. Oh, absolutely! I think that the storyline they've been doing with R Truth and Judgment Day has been printing money, which hopefully he got back to the states. Yes, hopefully so. Hopefully he got out of Austria. But it's a situation that they they need to have him in a featured match against Judgment Day. That'll be the blow off for the feud. Well, and especially considering like just give him a rub and give him a moment. 
you know, at WrestleMania for like the number of years he's been with the company. He's always been solid, you know, mm-hmm. never been a top tier guy, never been, you know, a main event guy, but he's always dependable and solid and fantastic at what he does. I still have this dream that he's going to wind up beating Damian Priest after Priest cashes in for money in the bank. Oh, my God. And he becomes world champion, and he just treats it like the 24-7 title. <laughs> I would just love to see that for a couple weeks. I don't need a whole program, but I would just love to see it for a couple weeks. Because, like I say, truth pulls off the most ridiculous stuff, but yet he makes it work. That'd be amazing. But going back to this match, though, I thought it was just solid for what it is. Yeah. And if this proves for anything... The tag team division is getting very healthy under Triple H. Absolutely. And they have a lot of great teams they can start building with. I'm not saying they need to go to secondary titles by any stretch, but they're building the divisions nicely, and this is a great showcase of what they had. Yeah. Uh, Next up was the Men's Elimination Chamber match with an opportunity at the the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania 40, so an opportunity to take on Seth freaking Rollins. Uh, And your participants in this match were Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, L.A. Knight, yeah. Logan Paul, and Randy Orton. And emerging victorious, uh, pinning, ooh, I believe it was uh, uh, Randy Orton uh, at the end there. Uh, you had Drew McIntyre emerge victorious, uh, winning in, what is it, 36 minutes and 55 seconds. So at WrestleMania 40, in some capacity, there's <laughs> a lot still up in the air with that card, even though we have a pretty good idea what some of the matches are going to be. Mm-hmm. It's going to be uh, Drew McIntyre versus Seth freaking Rollins. I think this is the right play to make. I do, too. I think, obviously, with CM Punk being injured, yep, that he could not uh, compete. This is a great plan B. Oh, yeah, phenomenally. And there, you can tell they're setting up for Drew versus Punk when he comes back. Oh, there's no Holy question about shit. that. There is absolutely no question in my mind about that. They're not being subtle. No, and you know what? This plays into so much because you think about how with Punk, he always walks the fine line of reality in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, that's his trademark. He likes yes. to he likes to blur the lines a little yes. bit between you know what's a, what's a work and what's a shoot. And I think what Drew is doing right now in response is he's letting his emotions pour out. Uh huh. And he's really taking the ball and run with it. And especially for somebody whose contract status is always in question. Uh huh. I think he's proving to the company that he can definitely take his character to another level, and I think he proves himself to be more of a valuable asset when it's time to renegotiate, which, I mean, you can hear so many different stories about what's going on with that. I'm just going to say, until we see him leave WWE and go to a different federation for whatever reason, I, I don't think they're letting him go by any stretch of the imagination, and I think that he is just upping his stock more and more and this is a great thank you to him. Oh, yeah. Because now he's going to arguably be in the main event of night one. Oh, yeah. Arguably. And this is going to be a thank you to him for when he had his WrestleMania moment. Unfortunately, it was during the COVID shutdown. Yep. And this was the WrestleMania nobody attended. Yep. This is going to be in front of a Philly crowd that is going to be hot. Oh, yeah, they are. And we, Philly crowd's traditionally hot. And they're going to be going completely crazy and I fully think he's walking, well, maybe not out of there completely, but he will win the title in some capacity. So I think I'm in the camp of Drew McIntyre is resigned. Yeah. I, I have nothing to confirm this. I have no insider information. I'm just going off the speculation. And I was talking to common man, Vince Ciotola the other day about this. There's no earthly way he is still a free agent and they're making him the shirt they have where it's it's the flash 
uh, Green Arrow meme where it's mm. where it's Grant Gustin standing in front of Oliver Queen's grave doing the smile and point. Mm. But they put CM Punk's WrestleMania on the grave and they put Drew's face over Grant Gustin's face. There's no earthly way in my mind they're doing that and they're okay with that if he's a free agent yeah. or potentially free agent. So in my mind, he's he's re-signed. He's just got a small circle that isn't leaking anything out. You know, in, and in regards to what happens at WrestleMania, you alluded to it. I'm agreeing with you because I think Drew McIntyre is a little blind to certain stuff mm-hmm. because you go, you flash forward to the promo or conversation he had with Seth Rollins on Monday Night Raw where he was pleading. He's like, listen, ignore this bloodline stuff. They're going to do X, Y, and Z. You need to focus on you and I, you know, let them go. He talked about the bloodline the whole time. Mm-hmm. Not once did he bring up the fact or allude to the fact that, hey, the Money in the Bank briefcase is still in the wind. Yeah. We know he the, the Money in the Bank briefcase isn't getting cashed in on the Roman and Cody match. Not at all. Mm-hmm. What I think is going to happen, what I bank is going to happen is, I agree with you, Drew is going to go into that match and he's going to beat Seth. He's going to pin Seth, clean in the ring, one, two, three. He's going to get his moment. He's going to be able to stand on whatever ring post he wants to hold the title up to his pose. And yeah, and he's going to yell, oh, it's my year, whatever he's going to yell. And then the Judgment Day's music is going to hit. And mm-hmm. the Damian Priest music, whatever it is. And that's when Damian Priest and the Judgment Day are going to come out there, cash in, and take the belt away from him. Because, yeah, you had your, your WrestleMania moment in front of people for all of like three minutes. Mm-hmm. That's something that I think they're definitely going to play heavy into. Oh, yeah. And I think that they also did a great job in this match about setting up two more matches yes. for WrestleMania. Yes. Uh, one of which is kind of a surprise, but I'm going to make a bold prediction. Okay. So we had long speculated between here and Wrestling Night Live, every Thursday night, Nerd Initiative, YouTube, and streaming services. We had speculated that L.A. Knight. Yeah was going to be facing Logan Paul for the U.S. title and finally get his singles win there. Yes. Well, at the Chamber, they (laughs) decided to throw a curveball. Yeah, they did. And they had AJ Styles come in and cut uh, Knight's chances. Uh Uh-huh. So he took him out. And obviously, all signs point to L.A. Knight and A.J. having a match of Mania, which yeah, is great. Right. So Bobby Lashley was the first one eliminated of the six participants in the Elimination Chamber match. And while and they've done this before. While the door was open, A.J. Styles, A.J. Styles, A.J. Styles, excuse me, snuck in and started attacking uh, L.A. Knight, which I love the fact that like A.J. Styles wasn't supposed to be on this card. So in kayfabe, he flew halfway around the world on his own dime mm-hmm. just to attack uh, L.A. Knight and cost him the match. There's just something about that that I find hysterical. But yeah, no, listen, it's it's not the match we thought it was going to be. But you know what? Going up against A.J. Styles, one of the best in the modern times, won belts all over the world in every company he's been in, one of the most solid workers you can have on your company. Not a bad first WrestleMania opponent to have, Mm -hmm. all things considered. Oh, absolutely not. So it will be interesting to see the setup, but where I think, and this will kind of go into where I'm talking about with Logan Paul and Randy Orton, because now that's set up. Yeah, so your final three of the match were Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, and Logan Paul. uh, Logan Paul got eliminated by Randy Orton, but laid there in in the match, and Logan had the brass knuckles with him because it's the Elimination Chamber match. There's no DQ. Like, there's nothing to stop him. So nobody needs to slip him the brass knucks. Nobody needs to, he doesn't need to hide in front. He can use them in full view of the ref. Mm-hmm. And he had them, and he, and he used them. He tried to use them, but, you know, 
once he got eliminated, he kind of stayed in the way, and then he hit Randy with the brass knuckles. Yeah. And eliminated, helped uh, Drew McIntyre eliminate Randy. So when that happened, obviously everybody saw the writing on the wall. Uh-huh. And this explains a few things. One, if anybody is doubting Logan Paul's stock in the company. Very high. Huge. You, they're willing to trust him in a match at WrestleMania for a belt with Randy Orton. Woof. Well, this is where I'm going with my theory. Okay. I think Paul is going to wrestle L.A. Knight on SmackDown before oh, Mania. Okay. Possibly okay. as soon as this week. Okay. And I think Randy Orton comes in, costs Paul the title. I could see it. L.A. Knight wins. L.A. Knight, or not L.A. Knight, uh, Logan does his usual shtick with one of his boys trying to slip in the brass knocks. He L.A. Knight sees it. He pushes him away. The ref accidentally gets hit with the knucks. You know, there's a whole scuffle, kerfuffle, whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it. Randy comes in out of nowhere. RKO. Yeah, that might work. And I think that that takes the belt off Paul going into Mania. And there's going to be a lot of eyes on SmackDown this Friday because they announced on Monday on the show. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sold out. Right. And we know that a certain uh, Samoan... Uh, wrestler is going to be on the show. Yes, we do. A uh, certain dude by The Rock. Yep. So there are going to be a lot of eyes on that show already. That's just a good opportunity to do it. And that's why I think that they would be smart to do it. Yeah, they would be. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that will clear up one other area, too, because what does Kevin Owens now do at Mania? Right. Could make it a triple threat. I think that that's the only way you do that, unless you have them in some kind of match with Grayson Waller and, and yeah. Austin Theory. Yeah, but then the question mark becomes: If you do a tag match, who do you pair him with? And I think on Monday Night Raw, and I know we're jumping around just a little bit, but this is how much spun out of this elimination. Chamber this is just match. how Triple H works, right? The promo that Gunther cut. Yeah, everybody was thinking Damian Priest was going to cash in on him. No, no, they're setting up for Sami Zayn versus Gunther. I think they might make that a triple threat because. They they everyone thought it was going to be Damian Priest, but then Dominic stepped up and mm-hmm. was like, "No, I'll take him on." But then after that segment, they went backstage. Rhea wasn't so happy. Dom was like, "Oh, I'll go take care of it." And then who did Dom run into backstage as he was going to see Rhea Ripley? Andrade. Andrade. What did Andrade say to Dom after they exchanged pleasantries? Hey, hi, how you doing? Talked to Adam Pierce. Got my first opponent. I talked to Adam Pierce. I got my first opponent, but he never said who it was. Right. So I fully anticipate it's going to be Andrade, and you could see a triple threat between Gunther, Sammy, and Andrade. It could happen, but I, you know, here's the only speculation I got with this. Okay, they did the triple threat last year with Gunther. Yeah, that's I, true. I don't know if they would go back to back with him about that. I mean, albeit though, if they did, they could. But I think for what they want to do, and and mark my words. I think Sammy's going to be the guy to get the belt now off him. Could be. I'd be all right with it. I mean, I, I it, it's fine because it's the ultimate underdog against yes. the unbeatable force. Like literal it, the, David versus Goliath. Yeah, the story writes itself, and everybody and like you, everybody loves when Sammy's the underdog, and, and and especially with what they got going on right now. I mean, you could have Gargano and Champa when inevitably Kaiser and uh, Giovanni Vinci come running in. There's your stoppers to stop them from interfering mm-hmm. oh yeah i mean you you have ways to do this oh my they, god if we get gargano and champa in a, not even in a match but showing up at mania oh give it to me no you know they i could see them doing those two against imperium oh yeah 
Yeah. I mean, because obviously they got a pre-show, maybe. Yeah, I don't want to say like filler match, but I mean, they're going to, they would be a lesser storyline on the card, which I mean, listen, if you get on WrestleMania, that's a gift enough. Absolutely. So I think that's something you have to watch there. That's the only reason I say they wouldn't do triple threat, because I honestly think they might go triple threat with Kevin Owens and AJ and and LA Knight if the belt's on the line. So that would make more sense per se. yeah. Because I think that for whoever's going to beat Gunther, if somebody is going to beat Gunther at, at Mania, it's going to be one-on-one, and it's going to be Sammy. A long shot could be Andrade. Yeah. Because I think the whole thing with Damian Priest was to throw everybody off. Oh, I agree 100%. So I don't th- I'm not putting any stock into that, even though... Because I don't think, in, in hashtag ODPHPod, if I'm wrong, I don't think the men's Money in the Bank briefcase has ever been used to cash in on anything other than the main belt. Or did or wait? Didn't Theory do it last year? With yeah, the Theory US? did it. Okay. Theory Theory did it with the U.S. He got talked into it. and He okay. did it with the U.S. Which yeah, that's right. That's why I say like they don't. They typically don't do that for the IC yeah. title. So unless they pull some real weird storyline to do it, I just I can't see them the pulling it off. Yeah. But that's why I think they're going to get the belt off Paul on Friday. Yeah. They'll free up a lot to do for Mania, and depending on what they want to get set up. I mean, unless they really want to get crazy and have like a ladder match and just have like. A scramble, mm-hmm. which I mean, they could do put Waller and Theory in there. I mean, you could really build that up from SmackDown if you want to go there. Yeah, that's the only place I don't know with Kevin Owens coming out of this match what they would do. Yeah, but mark my words, I fully think that Paul is dropping that belt to LA Knight as soon as maybe as soon as this Friday. Could see if it. not the following week. I, gu- I, I guarantee you, if they should go do go that route, it's going to be one of the weeks the Rock is on. Yeah, just because the eyes are going to be there. Well, he's there next um, three weeks, right? So right. definitely, they're going to do it when he's there. Uh, so the next thing that took place on this card isn't an actual match. It was a little bit of an interview segment uh, with the Grayson Waller effect. So Grayson Waller and Austin Theory were there, and they were down interviewing us one Seth freaking Rollins and Cody Rhodes. Uh, not really too much of this, just a couple things of note. Uh, Seth Rollins did say during this little interview uh, that he is, quote, days away from getting cleared in the ring, close quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other bit of news out of this segment was, uh, of course, Cody circling back to the rocks, slapping him across the face at the WrestleMania presser a couple weeks ago. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, Rock, you did slap me in the face, and you know you know what? I want to challenge you to a match, one-on-one, any place, anywhere, anytime. And of course, we're going to wait to hear what Rock says this week on Friday Night SmackDown, because in theory, you know, you know uh, the Rock will address that. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting setup that they have there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I, honestly not sure. I mean, rumor was about the tag match with Cody and Seth yeah. versus Rock and Roman. Yeah, that could still happen. Could see depending it. on what they want to do. Um, I mean, you could put Seth versus Drew to open the show. Seth has done double duty on Mania before, right? I mean, they they definitely could do that. So it's a little tricky how they might want to pull this off. Seth has done double duty, although admittedly that was like almost ten years ago, right? But I think in this situation. He understands it's mania. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the rules He'll, are, he do, if they ask, I'm sure he would do it. Rules are meant to be broken here. That's so, true. So I think they could definitely do that. And we're just going to have to wait to see. I mean, they might even go for something real crazy and hear me out about this. Okay. They might do Cody Rock on SmackDown. Ooh. To really spike the interest. Do it, do it the night before. Or the, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Just, no, that'd literally be the night before Mania. Yeah. Have, it, have it be a well. I always you, forget Mania's two nights. Now. Yeah. Even even if you did that, or if you did it. The week before, just to draw that sure. much more interest, like sure. 
they have some flexibility if they want. Like, shit, I do put I, it on, shit, put it on NXT stand and deliver. Well, I mean, they Woo-hoo. if they really want to go crazy, they could do that. I mean, I don't know what they're going to wind up doing if they decide to keep it one on one. Right. They might have Cody do double duty just to say he did. Oh, like, he could, yeah. But I don't know. But the one thing too, before we get out of this segment, okay, it was great to see Grayson Waller get a moment here yeah. in front of his home country as well. Yeah. And to clarify, in case anybody did not hear about Bronson Reed, oh my God, Bronson became a dad. Yeah. That's why he wasn't his, on the show. His, his wife went into labor early, so he let the powers that be know, and they're like, no, t- don't worry about what we've got planned for you. Go be a dad. Yeah. So for anybody that's saying that he wasn't going to be on there X, X, Y, and Z, yeah, they knew and they worked it out because obviously yeah. becoming a dad is more important. Yes. So congratulations yes. to him and his wife. Absolutely. So definitely, you know, that takes precedent. and. I guarantee you next time that they're in Australia, oh, he'll be on the card. He might be in a title match. Right. Just going to put that out there. And and the other thing I think we got to clear up is you look forward, you look ahead to Monday Night Raw, and the final match of the show was Cody versus uh, uh, Grayson Waller. And, and people were going, well, why didn't they do that at, at Elimination Chamber? Because it's in it's in Waller's home country. Mm-hmm. I don't think you want the opponent of Cody getting cheered no matter what scenario it is. Right. And also the match on Monday Night Raw, let's face it, isn't a pay-per-view match yet. Mm-hmm. Could it be someday? Yeah, sure. Sure. But on a buildup of, you know, a week? No. Yeah. And also the match on Monday was less than 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's why. Yeah. Uh, so then the last match we got to talk about was the main event of the evening in a singles match for the Women's World Championship. Rhea Ripley defended her belt against Nia Jax, winning via pinfall in 14 minutes and 35 seconds. I will say this on record. This was Nia's best match I've ever seen a wrestle. I agree with you. I was impressed. I will say since she has returned to WWE, I don't know who has worked with her prior. Yeah. Thank them. Yeah, really. She buy him a gift. She is looking very good in the ring. Yeah. So I'm not gonna sit here and say she's like the greatest of all time or she's the best on no. the roster, but like if I'm handing out, you know, nominations for an early most improved award, she's on the list. She's definitely in that conversation. Yeah. And I think that yeah. maybe this is a situation that when you're let go from the company, yeah, you can do one of two things. You can not care mm-hmm. and just go off, you know, what you've been doing for yeah. so long or think about how you can come back better. Or you could do the pull of Drew McIntyre. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. I think the Drew and Cody yeah. have, have left that blueprint. Yeah. And if you want to work the indies and follow, and I don't think Nia did the indies. No, but I don't think so. It looks like she's been putting in the work, and you know what? I, also, I, Naomi too. We got to we got to keep putting Naomi in that conversation. Oh yeah, well, too. well, yeah. Say Naomi went over to TNA and then yeah. tore it up there. Yeah. So when you have to think about what you do when you're not in WWE, if you if your ultimate goal is to get back there, yeah, you have to put in the work, and obviously she's been doing that. Yeah, because because as we've seen, cough cough, CM Punk cough cough, mm-hmm. they're never willing to say, in most instances, now nah, we're not going to resign them. Right, like in a lot of instances, we've we've thought it's a never, it's a never again. Hell will freeze over before that happens, and in most every instance, we've been wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the CM Punk coming back has now said the blueprint that literally anybody could yeah. come back. Yeah, there's only a small two percent. Uh, that <laughs> I can think of one. <laughs> right, which <laughs> we will not say on air, but uh, yeah. reasons. But I will say for Nia coming back and Rhea really embracing that, I mean, she's one of the biggest superstars on the planet. Oh, my God. The reaction definitely lived up to it, and they put on a hell of a performance. Yeah, yeah. 
and this is like everything you wanted out of this match because it made Nia look strong. Uh-huh. It made look Rhea look unbeatable. Like one going of the into better Mania. matches I've seen Rhea in it as well. Yeah, so like I say, by the time she this doesn't is all, put on a bad match. No, Rhea's in great matches, and this is a situation that now going into Mania. There's no way you can't be excited about her versus Becky. Absolutely. And that's going to tell a better story than I think anybody could have planned out. Oh, yeah. Fantastic stuff going into the weekend. Like we said, we touched upon Monday Night Raw a little bit. Mm-hmm. Nothing really super crazy to go home with. No. Um, just what they're setting up for the IC title, I think, is smart. Yeah. The Andrade factor, depending on how soon they want to get him on TV. Yeah. That can play into a role. Like, I don't know if they would just wait to do Andre or Andrade versus... Uh, Dominic at Mania, which mm. they could do. Oh my God, the fucking booze! Oh yeah, and Dominic's gonna hear at Mania. Yes, you so, thought L.A. was loud. Oh, they're gonna. Philly be. is already loud enough to begin with. Go back and watch the 2015 Royal Rumble. I think it was 2015. Mm-hmm. It was the one where, where Roman won and Daniel Bryan got eliminated like super early. Yeah, and Philly about fucking rioted. Like the Rock came out to help him against uh, what was it, Kane and, and Big Show, and they still booed. Yeah, that was with a mostly domestic crowd obviously it's one of the big four it's there's an influx of international but it ain't the same influx that wrestlemania gets so philly already rowdy enough as is but then you factor in the philly crowd with the heavy influx of international uh fans Mm -hmm. holy shit they're gonna be awesome yeah so there's a lot of storylines coming out from wwe's elimination chamber heading into wrestlemania now the countdown is on under 40 days away. Less than 40 days. There's going to be a lot of storylines moving forward, a lot of rumors about who's coming in, who could debut. I know the hot one today was Tama Tonga. Tama Tonga uh, coming to WWE, that according to Dave Meltzer. Yeah, so if he comes, what role will how he soon play? Are, how soon are we talking? Because uh, there's a certain uh, batch of Good Brothers on NXT tonight that he's very familiar with. I mean, I could see him showing up there. I could see him showing up at Stand and Deliver. Yeah, for, for NXT. Stand to deliver would make a lot more sense. Yeah, I could see a lot happening there. There's always the rumor of Okada. I know it's heavily alluded to he's AEW bound. But he ain't shown up on screen yet. But we haven't seen him on screen yet. And because remember the last time they were talking about that and it didn't happen? Yeah, that's true. Just pointing it out there, folks. A lot of storylines coming out of this. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts post WWE Elimination Chamber? Where do you think all the matches are heading towards WrestleMania? And who do you think could be making a surprise debut? I mean, obviously, we got a lot of shows in between, and you definitely want to keep that wrestling content going every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on Nerd Initiative YouTube and streaming services for Wrestling Night Live. So check it out. Join the conversation. But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You ever wondered what comics Mark from Vale Mai is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well, Metalcore Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Mott, and here at Metalcore Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern, or find it anywhere you find podcasts after it debuts on the radio station. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it's time to talk a little UFC. Hell yeah. Great fight night happened this past weekend, and we have to break down the card that was. So, Pat, let's talk about it. Yeah, so this took place this past uh, Saturday from the Arena CDMX in Mexico City, Mexico, uh, with an attendance of 21,546 folks in attendance, and boy, were they rowdy. Rowdy is putting it mildly. There Ooh. is the footage of the fight in the stands. Ooh. If you have not seen that, God damn. I mean, use caution, but that was a wild scenario to play out. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, this was the UFC fight night. Got to be sitting there going, fight night? Why are you just talking about fight night? 
because this is one of the, the main card had a fight on there that I think a lot of us wanted to see again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got that fight. We're going to get into that here in just a second. Uh, but the car main card opened up with a lightweight division fight where Manuel Torres defeated Chris Duncan via rear naked choke submission at one minute and 46 seconds of the first round. Impressive performance. Absolutely. Holy really shit. Really got down to business and took that one right uh, away. Clearly they had some, uh, Manuel had some place to be and not a lot of time to get there. Yeah. God damn. Uh, next up was a women's strawweight division match where Yasmin uh, Juargi, uh, J-A-U-R-E-G-U-I, defeated Sam Hughes uh, via unanimous decision, all three judges scoring the contest 30-27. Yeah, this one went pretty much how I thought it was going to go. Yasmin solid. has been making some noise in that strawweight division, and this was a solid contest, yeah. like I say. It's just, you know, a little a, technical, a, which I don't mind. Yeah, I was going to say, very technical. Nothing really right home about, but if, yeah. you're, if you're into the technical side of things, like this is a great fight. I like it. Yeah, that. no, I did too. Uh, next up was the lightweight di- in the lightweight division where Daniel uh, Zellhuber defeated Francisco Prado via unanimous decision. Uh, two judges scoring the contest 29 28, and the third judge scoring the contest 30 27. Yeah, this one was pretty straightforward for Zellhuber. Yeah. Like nothing really, like I say, and I don't mean this in a bad sense because a lot of times I, I get messages like, oh, you guys just kind of brush over it. It's like, it's a very solid fight. Yeah. There's no real, like, wow factor yeah. to it. Like I say, yeah. it was just really two skilled fighters just getting into it. Yeah. And I that's mean, what, and, that's, yeah. And plus, Daniel's very early in his UFC career. I mean, this was only his 16th professional match, you know, but then only his, what is this, one, two, three, four, fifth fight in the UFC, he came out of Dana White's Contender Series. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only got one loss in his entire career, which was his first fight off Contender Series. He lost uh, to Trey Ogden uh, via unanimous decision. So he's making some noise, but you know what, for, for 15 and 1. Oh, by the way, he's only 24 fucking years old. He turns 25 in July. Yeah. Very good start for early in your career. So definitely someone I would say keep an eye on. Oh, you have to, especially in that lightweight division. I mean, it's the <laughs> deepest one in the UFC. I mean, that's why we, we talk about rankings. <laughs> I don't doubt him getting in somebody around that top 15 level. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, Dan Hooker is in the lightweight division ranked number 10, which yeah. is just wild. Yeah. Uh, next up was the co-main event of the evening, and this was in the featherweight division where Brian Ortega defeated Yair Rodriguez via arm triangle choke submission in 58 seconds of the third round. So this is the fight I had circled for me. Okay. And I really was waiting to see what Brian Ortega had left. Okay. He is a fighter. Now, if you're not familiar with him, he literally has all the tools in his tool belt, so sure. to speak. He's great on the feet, submission expert. Sure. He can go, and just when he's been in those big fight moments, it just hasn't clicked. Right. I mean, there has been some losses, and I mean horrific losses. Yeah. That his face, I mean, I could not recognize. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that is saying a lot. Like, So he has been somebody that we've always been waiting to see that big breakout performance. Right. On the flip side, Yair Rodriguez is a very interesting fighter. I still think he has thrown arguably the greatest Hail Mary strike in in mixed martial arts history when he knocked out the Korean zombie. Uh-huh. I'm still not over that. And, yeah, and still stings. He's somebody that I have been waiting to see, like, okay, what what's all the hype about, just right. in my opinion. Like, he's very solid, but sometimes, sure, sure. you know, when we see about the UFC, like when somebody comes out of the gate, and they're really high on him. They're pushing like, yeah. oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah. I just didn't think Rodriguez has kind of taken like a scenic route to that, but he's still a very yeah. good fighter. 
But for this, I thought I was really excited to see how this was going to play out. I mean, Yar certainly faced some folks and had some very good success. I mean, he beat Dan Hooker early in his UFC career, 2015. Mm-hmm. You know, unanimous decision. Andre Feely, he knocked out. BJ Penn, he, he TKO'd in 2017. Lost to Frankie Edgar. That was a doctor stoppage back in uh, 2017. But then he, Korean Zombie, like the one you mentioned, uh, knocked him out in 2018. The, the Jeremy Stevens fight. First fight was a uh, no contest. That There was an accidental eye poke. Came back unanimous decision win against him. Uh, then he lost to Max Holloway, beat Brian Ortega, TKO, but there was a shoulder injury there. Submitted Josh Emmett, but then he, he's now got back-to-back losses against Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega, who I mentioned. Yeah. So this fight was all Rodriguez the first two rounds. Uh-huh. And this he was absolutely dominating. Oh, my God. On Ortega. Uh, it, this was starting to look like the Ortega of old, like against Max Holloway. Yeah. Like I, I, this was just yeah. one of those situations watching him go at this. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. Well, I mean, cause Ortega, like you mentioned, came in a lot of hype with him, you know, cause he came out of the gate in UFC initially won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wins in a row. Although admittedly the first one in the UFC against Mike, uh, De La Torre was overturned, uh, because, uh, what is it? Ortega. Uh, tested positive uh, for a banned substance, so that turned into a no contest. But mm. then, then he lost to Max Holloway, doctor stoppage. Yes, that was her- that was the nastiest one I think yeah. I've seen. Like they. Sh- they should have stopped it two rounds earlier. That was for the belt, uh, the featherweight belt. Then he came back and beat Korean Zombie by unanimous decision. Back-to-back losses to Volkanovski and Yair Rodriguez. And then he, like I mentioned, just beat Yair Rodriguez. Yeah. So, I mean, he's faced the top of the division. Yeah. In fact, he came extremely close yeah. to defeating Alexander Volkanovski. Yeah. Like, he put on one of the deepest uh, guillotine chokes I have ever seen. Uh-huh. And still to this day... I don't know how Volkanovski did not tap. Sheer force of will. Oh, like, yeah, you want to talk about, you know, willpower and all that jazz? That was the true testament to it. Because, like I say, I've never seen a guillotine choke put on that tight. Yeah. And the the amount of different colors that Volkanovski's face turned of purple a, and red. It's a whole rainbow of them. It was insane. But the fact that that moment, I, I was like, after that, it's like, I don't know how we go from here. Right, and then to see with the rematch against uh, Rodriguez, <coughs> it was going to be a situation that Ortega needed to switch up. But like I say, those first two rounds was all Rodriguez. The striking was there. His Ortega's face. I'm pretty sure he broke his nose at least in yeah. the first round. At least, but there's something to be said about when Ortega goes to the third round, mm-hmm. and if you want to go through his fight record. And seeing how many times he's won in the third round, it is something freakish. That's the easiest way I can mm-hmm. describe it, because he has won something like seven fights or eight fights yeah. in the third round alone. Yeah, and somehow, some way, he got a submission on. And uh-huh. this is you—you you talk about just going off instinct. You'll see the replay of the fight, and he wins via arm triangle choke. He did not even realize he had it. Pretty much, Jesus he was that Christ. he was that out of. I it. still can't believe that. It, it's an insane picture to see because he's not somebody that holds on to to holds 
um, extra time to hurt anybody. It's like Nicole Hardman catching a game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, and he blacked out for it. Well, you have to think about it. When you go through, almost like in a weird sense, like you go through what you did with Volkanovski. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, how did you let go? Like, did I screw something up? Did I do that? He went into just like his mind just shut off. Right. And it was pure instinct. And he just held on until Rodriguez was out. Now, granted, he immediately let go, like as soon as they they really got him, you know, back back to reality, I guess. And this is such a huge fight for Ortega. Oh, yeah. That now you have to say he could be in that conversation for a title shot. Sure. It's the one thing about having a new champion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's exactly there yet, but if he puts on a performance like this, you have to mention him in the conversation. It's definitely complicated, to say the least. Yeah, because I'll break it down. Uh, so the featherweight champion is Ilya Tupura, as we discussed last week or a couple weeks ago after UFC 298. Uh, number one ranked fighter is currently Alexander Volkanovsky. So the issue you got there is Volkanovski just faced uh, Ilya. It was a knockout in the second round in mm. case you didn't hear the episode. So you got the issue of, okay, well, do you want to have Yair face him or do you want to have, you know, Topur and Volkanovski run it back? Because then you got to look at the number two ranked fighter because that's Max Holloway, who let's not forget has got the fight coming up with Justin Gaethje at UFC 300 here in April. So, okay, that fight, because Brian Ortega is ranked three folks. So, okay, Ortega can't face Holloway in the immediate future because he's facing Gaethje at 300. Mm -hmm. In theory, I mean, if you wanted to, Ortega, I guess, could take on the winner of that fight and and then the winner gets... Of the next one gets Topura, but I don't know if you want to wait that long. Yeah, I mean, he. well, I mean, it's tough. The, I, the simple thing, because let's look at Ortega's record, he's only faced Volkanovski the one time, and that was unanimous unanimous decision loss at UFC 266, mm-hmm. so, which was in 2021. So you could run it back, maybe? You could try. I mean, there is... There is a part storyline you can do. I mean, the the other Holloway would make sense, though, because he technically lost and he being Ortega, but that was a doctor stoppage. Right. But that was just how much has Ortega improved since that fight like that? Yeah. I mean, I would say that would make a lot more sense. Right. To do that. But there's so much that is involved with Holloway and Gaethje. Because that's a lightweight, too. Yeah, that's that's a move up, which, I mean, I'll say on record, I did not think Max looked great at 155. Right. I really don't think he did. I don't. He, he looked like a very small 155. Right. He's great at 145, and I think that's the, the weight class I would keep him at. And now him against Dupria, I mean, that's box office. They could do that. I think under the circumstance, you have to look at doing Volkanovski Ortega. Right. And I think that there's just few options there per se. Sure. Unless there's somebody they're really high on for the UFC to give a bump up, I mean, yeah, I could, I could see Volkanovski Ortega winner gets Topura, and then you do to that you do that winner versus Topura, and then should Holloway win, mm-hmm. you know, we'll go down that hypothetical, you know, should Holloway beat Gaethje, then Holloway would be next up. Yeah, yeah, like I say, there's so, so many tricky scenarios, but I think we'll have obviously at UFC 300 we'll have a lot of clarity. Yeah. Because that'll be yeah. like boom, boom, boom. Like they will make those fights relatively shortly after. They'll they'll probably announce them that same night. Oh yeah, because I I will guarantee you the powers that be that do the matchmaking will have this lined up. Like, oh yeah, it, they'll have it penciled in. They just got to wait for the 
things to finish. Exactly. But this was a hell of a fight. Kudos to Ortega for really just putting on a gritty performance. Yeah. And, I mean, no shame for Rodriguez. I just want to see where he goes from here after, too, because, like I say, this could get very interesting. Yeah. Uh, And then the main event of the night was in the flyweight division, and it was a rematch. I believe it was the second rematch Mm -hmm. uh, between Brandon Royval and Brandon Moreno, where Brandon Royval defeated Brandon Moreno via split decision. Uh, Two judges scoring the contest, 48-47. The third judge scoring the contest, 46-49. Great fight. You know, what can you say about this one? It was a phenomenal fight. Yeah, this one definitely did its thing. It definitely entertained everybody in attendance. Yeah. I mean, this is what you want to see at the fight nights because yeah. I'd say a lot of times you don't have They a, get slept on a little bit. Yeah, they do. And it's it's a shame that it happens, but you know the history of these two. You know that they're both two fighters that step it up yeah. and really yeah. bring everything they got to the table. This is what you want to see, and this yeah. is especially for the flyweight division, which, I mean, does fly under the radar a lot. It does. Because, you know, obviously the lighter weight classes don't get a lot of love in that perspective, but they put on great fights. Yeah, they do. And this one, I mean, obviously Roy Val pushing his way up two spots in the rankings. Uh-huh. Pantoja, you got to think, has has to be in the conversation there. Uh-huh. Moreno, I mean, he's going to get an immediate fight with somebody, too. Like, I don't think they're going to sleep on this one. Probably. But hell of a fight. I mean, perfect way to end the card because, like I say, the crowd was just full of energy right there. And now it's just a matter of where does everybody fall after this? Yeah, because uh, one would think we're going to see Roy Val versus Pantoja. And admittedly, yes, we've seen that before. Uh, UFC 296, mm-hmm. uh, where Pantoja won via unanimous decision. But looking and looking and doing a little bit digging, it doesn't appear that Pantoja's got anything scheduled. Or if it is, it ain't been announced yet. Right. So we could see it relatively soon. Yeah, it just depends. Like Maybe I said, f- uh, International Fight Week. Uh, you never know. I'd love to see it. but they're, then again, they're starting to announce stuff for that. But then again, I would see. I'd love to see Demetrius Johnson get sent back over to the UFC and just clean house in that division. Most too. egregious trade in sports history. Ugh, no. I'm like, and I'm including every sport possible. Yeah, no question about that. That was a crazy event for the UFC. Like I say, a lot of headlines coming out of that, but I definitely want to quickly plug to over the weekend. We also had the Bellator versus PFL. I heard some stuff about this. Yeah, yeah. So a yeah. lot of a lot of good fights there, but Bellator <laughs> almost ran the table. Well, as as to be expected, winning four out of five. And now it looks, though, as Francis Ngannou will have his uh, first fight under PFL. Hey. Going against Renal Ferreira. Okay. Who knocked out Ryan Bader in under a minute in the main event. All I know is Ngannou's been training with Mike Tyson, and that scares the shit out of me. Yeah. He's already got one of the nastiest uppercuts I've seen in fighting history. Mm-hmm. But you're, t- you're training him with one of the greatest heavyweight boxing champs of all time. Yeah. It's making a man scarier. It definitely is. And obviously, there's a lot of headlines coming out of this one, too, because Ngannou is fighting on March 9th against Anthony Joshua. Hey. So depending on what happens in that boxing match, it'll be how soon we see him in the UFC. True. Uh, we do know that John Jones' name came up in conversation over yeah, the weekend, huh? too. So Yeah, well, he and Ngannou were at the same event together. Yeah, and I know that they've wanted to fight each other for many, many years now. Yep, so yep, yep, yep. Obviously, there's a lot of... Uh, Red flags in the way, I guess I should say. Red tape. Red tape, thank you. Yeah, there's there's just a lot in the way of it. I was trying to find some better way to say it, but like, let's face it, it's just moving parts is an yeah. understatement here. Yeah. But it's going to be one to watch over the weekend. Like I say, the UFC had a great event, but I definitely want to plug that as well, too, because that was the Bellator PFL big merger going down. Yeah. And then, obviously, uh, Bellator had a great night. Uh, don't really need to talk too much about that, but... We do have the PFL, though, really had a great night of fights. Yeah. 
So definitely hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your takeaways from the weekend of MMA? How are you feeling about the cards that went down? And what do you think is going to be happening with the fighters after this? There's a lot of storylines to talk about, so let's do that on the social media accounts. Hit us up on the hashtag, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, Pad. What you got? Got a couple things to talk about. First, which is obviously being the local minute. And looking at the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League, that is, of course, the league our local Binghamton Black Bears play in. Another week, still in first place in the Empire Division. Let's go. Uh, through 39 games played, they have 26 wins in regulation, five losses, uh, six losses in six losses in either overtime or shootouts. No overtime wins, but then two shootouts in uh, two wins in, in a shootout. Uh, they have 88 points that puts them ahead of Motor City in second place with 68 points. Danbury in third place with 61 points. Elmira in fourth place with 46 points. And Watertown in third in fifth place with 39 points. Looking uh, back at their schedule from this past week, had a couple of games this past weekend. Uh, two of, of them at home, one on the road. Uh, of their two home games, the first was Friday, February 23rd, where they defeated the Watertown Wolves by the final score of 6-3. to Then on Saturday, they defeated the Watertown Wolves by the final score of 6-5. to I heard that one was crazy because they were down, what was it, like four or five goals, I heard something like that, and they, mm-hmm. they came back to win in overtime. Uh, then on Sunday, they were on the road playing the Danbury Hattricks, where they won by the final score of 4-2. to So a nice little weekend sweep for the Binghamton Black Bears. Uh, looking ahead to their schedule, they have this upcoming week. Uh, looks like just the one game. Uh, they are on the road this Friday, March 1st, 7.05 p.m. Eastern, taking on the Elmira River Sharks. Uh, they do not return home until uh, Friday, March 15th. Uh, so a little bit of a little wait time here for the Binghamton Black Bears, but that's all right. Uh, for more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, so you can figure out when those home games are yes binghamtonblackbears.com uh then we gotta talk a little bit of nfl news because well it's a little quiet you know uh combines getting ready to start up teams are making some coaching signings and front office signings and whatnot uh we do have the franchise tag and uh free agency is getting ready here to start I believe it's march 14th if i'm not mistaken or 13th excuse me which is on a wednesday mm-hmm. uh, but we do have some reported and rumored names of folks that are getting uh franchise tagged of course none of this will be official until uh, i think up until free agency starts or like the day before uh but the ones we know so far is it's being reported that cincinnati bengals wide receiver t higgins is one of the ones that's going to be uh, franchise tagged. Makes most sense to do that. Uh-huh. Uh, it's also being reported that Carolina Panthers linebacker Brian Burns is going to be franchise tagged. Uh, this is according to The Athletic. Uh, then you've got uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's one of their safeties. He's going to be getting the franchise tag. And then uh, lastly, and certainly not leastly, uh, Legarius Sneen, cornerback for the Kansas City Chiefs, is one of the other ones that is reportedly getting franchise tagged. A lot of names getting thrown out there uh rumors hearsay but those are the ones that have been reported thus far yeah that's kind of interesting with sneed um yeah well but this comes with every time a team wins a super bowl uh-huh because if you're going to cash in on the free agent market and you are a free agent that's the time to now's do the it. time to do it so i understand with him 
Getting tagged, that's going to bump his price up. I don't think he's going to be in Kansas City next season, though. Probably not. I'm not sure where he's going to go, but I don't think he's going to be there because I'm going to say NFC East. He, don't mean, know which one. That would make a lot of sense. I think Washington would make a ton of sense because yeah, yeah. they need all the help they can get. Yeah. Uh, but I think just in comparison with Chris Jones still being uh, a free agent as well, I think Kansas yeah. City's focusing their attention. There's there. only so much money to go around. I realize the the salary cap is going to go up like twenty or thirty million dollars. Whatever the frig it is, something insane. Yeah, it's something wild with that, which I I'm not a fan of, but I get it. Yeah, oh, yeah. But thanks, it's, Taylor Swift. Well, you know. <laughs> You know, the power of the Swifties is still working in Kansas City. They're definitely having a lot of momentum, especially with players that want to come there to go. Yeah. This season, though, for the free agency, I don't think there's anybody that's really, like, jumping out that's, like, the the top get, so to speak. I think T. Higgins getting the franchise tag in Cincinnati makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Especially with Jamar Chase's contract up next season. Yeah. Um, So I would say he – I think his best option is to stay there, but I could see him getting moved. Right. And then everybody else, I think, is keeping an eye on the running back situation. I know Saquon Barkley and and Josh Jacobs are not going to get tagged, so they're going to be free agents, I believe, along with Derrick Henry as well. Right. So there will be some shakeups of that position too. Um, I don't doubt Vegas re-signing Jacobs, though. I think think with Antonio Pierce there, I think a lot more players are willing to go there. Uh, So I pulled up a list of free NFL free agents via spotrack.com slash NFL slash free agents. It's not going to go through every name. Some of the ones that jump out at me. Uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, free agent Mm -hmm. agent there. Ryan Tannehill, Chris Jones, of course, as we mentioned, from Kansas City. Uh, Mike Evans, the wide receiver from Tampa Bay. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Buda Baker is also a free agent there. Jason Kelsey uh, going to be a free agent there. Uh, let's see who else have we got in here. Derrick Henry going to be a free agent. If you're looking for a tight end, Hunter Henry is going to be available there. Jonu Smith, a free agent as well. Josh Date, Jacobs, another one of the running back. Curtis Samuel, wide receiver. Tyler Boyd uh, going to be a free agent there. Tony Pollard, uh, of course, was the feature running back there in Dallas this year. Saquon Barkley, as you alluded to. Stephon Gilmore. Uh, on the defensive end side of things, Micah Hyde uh, going to be a free agent there. Mm-hmm. Chase Young, Michael Davis uh, going to be a free agent there as well. So definitely some names out there. There's going to be some names out there, and I think GM's got to pull some magic if they want to keep a lot of their teams yeah. together. Yeah. But I think this is going to be one that maybe doesn't have that big splash signing, so to speak. No, I don't think so. But I think it's going to be one definitely that will have some headlines there. I am very interested as a Bills fantasy where Micah Hyde goes. Yes. Uh, he There is a chance they could bring him in, or they're going to do a couple different moves. Like I said, Brandon Bean usually pulls off some magic at, right. at, at this timeline. So I know Stefan Diggs has been a very hot name about where he could wind up. They have to rework his contract before yeah. anything. So yeah. before anybody starts saying that he's going to wind up in Dallas or wherever, I think we just need to kind of pause. Yeah and see how the contract gets worked because nobody could take that one. That was the one thing about the Bills signing right. him to that deal. So a lot more storylines will be coming out with that next week because the trade deadline or the free agency kicks off the yep. second week of March. Yep. So a lot of moves are going to be happening there. I would like the Patriots uh, to keep Ezekiel Elliott on like a team-friendly deal because, well, you look at the stats. He didn't have the most like barn burner of a season statistically, but he did have a decent season, mm-hmm. and I think he's a good feature there with Ramondre. Yeah, that could definitely happen yeah. too. And then plus Jason Kelsey. I mean, I could see him yeah. leaving Philly, going to Kansas City, oh. or maybe even the Bills. Christ. It could happen. Yeah, no, anything, uh, to quote Kevin Garnett, anything's possible. Indeed. And speaking of free agency, I mean, the or the trade deadline. I mean, we're talking about teams moving, I should say. Yeah. That's a better yep. segue. March 8th is the one for the NHL, and I know that the <coughs> Rangers, who just came off a 10-game win streak, Oof. 
uh, has been like rumored about making some moves, but I don't know necessarily if I want to do any moves. They're still number one in the Metropolitan Division, 81 points as we were recording. Behind Boston in the conference standings by one point. Yeah, which, I mean, listen, that's fine. They could have the regular season trophy all they want. All I care about is Stanley, so I don't they can take that one. Holy fuck, if you want to play Boston and have a shot at winning, take them by overtime. Yeah. Fucking Christ, 14 losses in overtime. Exactly. Jesus. Which the Rangers could Jesus. do. Jesus. So there will be some moves there happening over the next couple weeks. I don't know if, the, like I said, the Rangers are going to do any blockbuster ones. There I'm, might be some small ones because I know they've lost some guys over the last couple weeks. Right. But I, like I say, as far as a big Patching splash. some holes. Yeah. Like, like I say, it's not going to be a big splash uh, for them yeah. making moves. They're, if, if your team is winning this well and they're 39-17, and 17, I don't really think you need to do a lot. I just love that kid they called. Was the, kid, the kid they called up and was fighting like two seconds into his NHL debut. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, they're definitely making some smart calls. I think, so. I think he's. Uh, I think he's spent more time in the penalty box than he has on the ice since he's got called up. <laughs> it is quite possible, Matt Rep. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, if, which, like I say, if he can keep this up, I definitely makes his like... NHL debut. One second on the ice, and he dropped the gloves. Yeah, so. Definitely a lot of stuff for the Blue Shirt Nation to stand up and be happy about. Uh, they're back in action on tonight, or as we record, I believe, against Columbus. Yeah. So definitely stay tuned for that. And then as far as the NBA goes, well, the Knicks are still in contention, but Boston Boston got hot at the right time. Yeah. So they're running away with the Atlantic Division. Uh, I saw a thing today at this same point. A couple of years ago, a number of years ago, uh, 2008 to be specific, uh, the Boston Celtics were 45-12. and 12. Uh, We all remember what happened that year. Yep, that we do. I think it's possible. Yeah, yeah, they won the title, so eh, you never know. Well, I would say this. I think Boston will have some competition from the Knicks, who uh, are coming off a controversial win against Detroit. To put it mildly. With one of the most, I will echo the statements of Stephen A. Smith, one of the most egregious non-call fouls I've ever seen. Jesus Christ, I didn't know if they were playing basketball or if that was like Brian Dawkins coming over the middle for the Eagles back in the day. Yeah, that, one, that one was a little rough to watch. Like so. I, I didn't see the play live. I saw I saw the head coach, Monty Williams, of the Pistons talk about it. I'm like, was it really that bad, or is this just like a culmination of the season boiling over for him? I went and watched the play. No, it's that bad. Yeah. So we'll have to wait to see how it goes out of the East and the Western Conference. Definitely it's one move I want to highlight. Yeah. Uh, according to ESPN.com, Golden State Warriors head coach, as uh, Steve Kerr, has officially signed a two-year extension. For like $35 million? 53. Oh, I got the numbers back. So congratulations to him, the highest paid coach in NBA history. And I mean, well, he's earned it. He's earned it. I said what he's t- taken from what Mark Jackson built up there and ran with has been truly astonishing Especially to watch. Especially on like no coaching experience. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you're around Michael Jordan that long, that helps. You, you learn how to win some games, folks. And I mean, but kudos to Kerr. I mean, what they've done in Golden State, love them or hate them. They're definitely a team that has built a great run. I mean, obviously yeah, this season yeah. being 10th in the Western Conference as we're currently recording is not the greatest thing ever, but I, they've definitely set the standard for teams to follow in the, in the past couple of years. So uh-huh. A lot of good things happening there for basketball. But before we get out of here, we do have to address something in the NCAA. Whew, yeah, we so, do. Pat, I will let you take the lead on this. Yeah, so this this took place over the weekend. I believe it was on Saturday. Yep. Saturday in a game where I want to note this. Uh, number 10 Duke took on, uh, what the hell, who the hell was Wake it? Forest. Wake Forest. Where I want, and I want to note this because this, I feel, is something getting lost in the shuffle and the discussion of the whole thing. 
Wake Forest was favored in this game. Mm-hmm. Just just want to point that out. Uh, but the the thing that happened was Wake Forest knocked off number ten Duke uh, at home at, at home for Wake Forest, uh, and obviously it was Duke. It's a big win because as as you listen to any of the pundits on television, Wake Forest kind of on that bubble. I believe Joe Lenardi of ESPN, who's usually pretty goddamn accurate at picking who's going to be the last four in, first four out of these tournaments, had them at the next four out. So not the first four out, the ones after that, because hey, they're good, but they didn't. Have a signature win well they got that signature win as i alluded to uh they beat duke on saturday and of course they beat duke at home duke was number 10 fans stormed the court mm-hmm. and the fans stormed the court and ran onto the court and then the, what immediately became a concern was hey don't let's not hey look at the kids jumping up and down on the court it was oh my god kyle filipowski of the duke blue devils was limping off of the court having to get helped off the court because he got run into by the fans uh and then it became the discussion of who's at fault is it his fault? Is it the fans' fault? Who did what? And then it kind of morphed into the next inevitable step in the conversation, and that is should uh, storming the court and storming the football field, because this happens in college football as well, uh, should it be banned? Yes. I will even say this not being a Duke fan. Okay. I mean, what happened was terrible this weekend. And unfortunately, it's one thing when the college fans are getting that wound up that they want to go storm the field. And the problem that you have now is there's a lot of reckless abandonment. Mm-hmm. Players are getting a hit. In my opinion, the hit on Kyle this past week yeah. looked intentional. And it's a situation for players and coaches' safety that are on the court yeah, along with reporters that are out there and whoever is there trying to do their job. I can understand the fandom being that excited. Oh, but, sure. But let's sure. but let's put this in perspective. Was this a regular season game? Yes. Okay. This isn't for a tournament. This isn't you winning the national title. This is a regular season game. Calm down. And I think that unfortunately this is now the second incident of the season alone. Yeah. Where a player has been hurt and could have gotten seriously injured. It happened to Caitlin Clark a couple weeks ago. Yeah. This is a situation that is out of control, and I think the NCAA needs to come down on it for all its sports. Uh-huh. And my theory, and uh, Pat, I definitely want to get your vote in on this, Sure, is I would take games away, okay. and I would hit them with as stiff of a fine as I can, but I don't want to do anything that's below seven figures. Th- when we talk about sports being a business, college sports is monster business yeah especially football if you really want to hit a university and send the message that this will not be tolerated you have to take games away that prevent eligibility and you need to hit them with a stiff fine end of story but like i say we're we're talking in the millions uh so a couple quotes for you uh, first of which was Duke head coach uh, John Shire, I believe is how you say his name. Yes. Uh, he said after the game, quote, when are we going to ban court storming? Like, when are we going to ban that? How many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? It's a dangerous thing, close quote. Uh, then you uh, got to give read the quote from the Wake Forest director of athletics, John Curry. 
Quote, on behalf of Wake Forest, we sincerely regret the unfortunate on-court incident following this afternoon's men's basketball game and hope the involved Duke student-athlete is doing better. I called Duke Vice President and Director of Athletics Nina King and ACC Senior Associate Commissioner Paul Brazow immediately after the game and expressed our sincere regret for the situation and our concern for the Duke student-athlete's well-being. Although our event management staff and security had rehearsed post-game procedures to protect the visiting team and officials, we clearly must do better. I appreciate the post-game comments of Duke head coach John Shire, and I am in complete agreement that something must uh, more must be done about the national phenomenon of court and field storming, and Wake Forest looks forward to being a part of those conversations, close quote. Then a quote uh, from noted head coach Bill Self, of course, who coaches Kansas, the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, quote, he was out, he offered his thoughts on a press conference a couple days ago. He said, quote, well, I certainly don't think it ever should be let them do as they want. We've probably been stormed on about as much as anybody and I, as anybody, I would think at least there was a period of time, like every road loss we had on a home court, it seemed like it was a court storming. Uh, he went on to say, uh, the one that everyone's talking about as recently, that was one of the quickest ones I've ever seen. I mean, that ha- happens so fast. And if you don't have the proper security in a situation like that, it would be hard to imagine that fans do not come in contact with visiting players, which could lead obviously to injuries or maybe legal things down the road. Uh, I would hope they could just just totally do away with it. We haven't stormed the court here. I don't think we ha- we ever have in my time and even before that. I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form that that's the way it has to be or we're the standard, but I do believe it's gotten way out of control, close quote. So I, I do agree. I think the court storming's got out, out of control. I will say just for transparency, I've admittedly wanted to do it myself just because it looks like fun. Oh, sure. I think everybody has its watch college basketball, but I, I do think it's gotten kind of out of control. I think at the minimum, every university needs to address and possibly upgrade their procedures for this because this was just a total embarrassment in every way, shape and form that this went down the way it did. And I agree with you that something needs to change. And I, and I think it needs to go away because, you know, I, th- I think this was a a, a lesser evil outcome. I don't want to say a good outcome because somebody got hurt and that's not a good outcome, but I think this was like the, not the worst case scenario that could have happened for this. I think in a worst case scenario, we could end up with another malice at the palace because, because it could take a scenario much like this with someone with ill intent or even accidentally, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not intending to runs into the wrong guy and the wrong guy coming off a loss and he's real frustrated and pissed off because let's face it, when you any sport, when they go to talk to the media, they don't go and immediately go to the press conference room and start talking to the media 30 seconds after the game is open or ended. They're going there 10, 15, 20 minutes, however long it is after the game is over so they can decompress, they can come down and they can be in the right state of mind to give an answer, not come shooting off, off at the hip, you know, all pissed off, you know, so. I, I think you need to do something with this and and something needs to get done. My personal opinion, you start you because fines don't work. You know, the, the college football teams, I know the SEC does it and they do it for basketball and football. They find the team, they find the school every time it happens and, mm-hmm. it, and it increases every time each season, you know, but clearly they don't give a shit, you know. So I, I think at the minimum, you need to start at a million dollar fine 
every time this happens and then it increases every every time after now what that increment it increases at they can figure that out if it's five if it increases five hundred thousand dollars two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or even another million dollars so your first your first storming that's a million dollars second storming two million dollars you need to hit these people in the book because they've been hit for a couple hundred thousand dollars for the court stormings and they just don't give a fuck the school pays it and they just move about their day start with that the other thing too is you need to hit this where the, the school gets punished and they really put an enforcement on their stu- their students to really not do this. And that's if your fans storm the court, you are ineligible from playing in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what your ranking is. Doesn't matter what your record is. Doesn't matter if you're undefeated. If your fans storm the court, you're done. Yeah. Because something needs to change about this. It's I And I get the whole argument, well, they pay their, they let them have fun. No. You pay to go to an NBA game. They still don't let you storm on the court. You you, they, you pay to go to an NFL game. They don't let you. They don't let you stand on the uh, storm on the field. There's no right for it. There's no reason for it. And like I said, in another instance, in the worst possible outcome for this, this this could turn into another malice at the palace. Well, that's the one problem that you have is unfortunately, like I say, this is kind of glamorized on movies and TV oh, way sure. back when. So, sure. like I say, everybody's thought about doing it. But unfortunately, you're seeing a change in the temp in the room. Yeah. And you're seeing that now fans, I mean, it's the old saying, one bad apple spoils a whole bunch. Yeah. You're seeing fans are now going out with intent to hurt. Yeah. So guess what? The and, party's over. And we're lucky because I believe it's it's a sprained ankle for Filipowski. Nothing major, at least that I've heard, happened to Caitlin Clark. But it, it's one bad instance away from this happening again. And it potentially could end a player's career. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's that, the last thing we want to see. Exactly. So the NCAA needs to come in with swift action about this. They can't brush it off. Because no. I do agree with you. I think you're going to have one of these days, unfortunately. And I'm not putting this karma out there, but I'm just right. saying a fact. Right. You are going to have a malice at the palace part two. Yeah. Because what's going to happen is. They're going to run up on the wrong guy. Uh-huh. Who's going to get all sorts of pissed off. And like I said, there's a reason they they don't go to the press immediately after the game. So they can decompress. You know, they need that time to come down. Yeah, you're going to you're going to unfortunately have. Well, you know what? But it'd be like anything in this in honest guy. If you're so, walking, so they're on they're on the court. They just lost. They're pissed off as all hell. Yeah. But you're gonna have something that you're yeah. If you're a player and you see somebody running at you, uh, what do you think is gonna happen? Do you, yeah, if somebody comes running at you in the street. What are you gonna do? Wonder what the hell they're doing. Exactly. I'm not exactly gonna wait around and and find out. Yeah. You know, like I say, it's just you. Unfortunately, it's the way of the world, folks. Yeah. And this is a situation that they do need to rectify this because now you're having players getting attacked. Yeah. Point blank. I'm sorry. Like, I'm just saying this perception is reality. That is my opinion of that. And this is a situation the NCAA needs to jump in immediately, swift action, and yeah. set a precedent because yeah. if it's not, I'm fearing the next time we're going to be talking about this. Because we're, we're coming up on uh, conference tournament time here mm-hmm. in the very near future, so this isn't going to slow down any. This is going to, if anything, ramp up. Yeah. So we'll have to wait to see about the NCAA coming in with some swift action about this. Uh, so wait and see. Stay tuned because obviously we'll have something to talk about it when it happens. Mm-hmm. That being said, for anything and everything, it is the ODPH. You can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's it for sports this week. So for the one and only Pat one j fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast. We'll see you next time. Hey.
It's such wasted time Swiping left and swiping right On people you could know Cause anyone who's worth a damn Be worth way more than a picture could ever show You can find the right light Find the right angle And never find your soul And it can feel like a losing battle And this plot is full of holes This modern way of finding love Just makes me feel so alone And I can't be the only one Sick of staring at my phone So look up Talk to me Everyone has just one true love All I know is you're across this table And you're all I'm thinking of So look up, talk to me A better way to spend our energy Just look up, talk to me Swiping left and swiping right on people you could know